Hi Saints, this is Dr. Kamala D here. I know you are shocked. I told you guys I will be sharing episode five with you on Monday, episode five entitled, Do You Know the Signs of the Second Coming of the Messiah? However, you guys know I'm always listening to other ministers, other messages, always studying the word of God. And I came across a very powerful message by Bishop T.D. Jakes. It will, I'm telling you, it blessed me, had me crying, had me shouting and praising God. I'm just glad my brother came back to the fold and started teaching Bible truth and teaching the word of God, rightly divided. So the name of the message is One New Man. Now, I'm not sure if you heard it yet, but I'm telling you over a million people have heard it so far. And you guys know I'm not going to play nothing for you unless it is truth and unless you can line it up with the word of God. So without further ado, here is Bishop T.D. Jakes. Do the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to do a lot of reading. Verse 1 through 15 of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 15. When you have it, say amen. Mm -hmm. I'll wait on you. Because I want you to have a relationship with your Bible. So let's go get it. I knew heavy quicken. I love, I wrote, I chose the King James Version for this because I love the language. I knew heavy quicken, which means made alive. It doesn't mean to quicken, hallelujah. It, it means to be made alive. And you had the quicken who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, we weren't no better than them, but God! who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, even when we were dead in sins, oh, you didn't hear that. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, he has saved. And have raised us up together. Listen at the Pauline language here. Has raised us up together he's writing to the church in Ephesus and the diversity of people that made up that church both Gentile and Jew and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us they said us again through Christ Jesus for by grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourselves, and it's gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. 
that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. He's talking to the Gentiles, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, but now, but now, but now, but now, in Christ Jesus, our adoptive parent, he's adopted us into the royal family. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes far off and made nigh by the blood of Christ. You're made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who have made both one and have broken down the middle wall of partition. The middle wall of partition, the middle wall of partition between Jews and Gentiles, between believing Jews and Gentiles, there is no distinction. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man. So making peace. Good God of mercy. One new man. When Paul writes this, he's not talking about a physical man. He's talking about an ideological man. He's talking about tearing down the wall of petition that existed between Jews and Gentiles. And he's encouraging them to understand that now that you are Christians, this is a new thing that is neither Jew nor Gentile. It is a new thing. Thing, uh, one new man that God has done that God has torn down the wall of partition that he has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places by grace are ye saved not by the law he's torn down the wall of partition which was the law and he's torn it all down so that there will be no barrier between you and me but has brought us all together through a door a legal entry by grace are ye saved it is the gift of God are you with me so I want to talk about one new man tonight and I, and, and I want you to understand it in many contexts both figuratively and literally and then personally and and experientially I want to cover all three phases in order for you to get it so you got to go with me tonight because I got a lot of work to do and I want you to get it father sanctify the word into our hearts and into our spirits that we might be edified by that which every joint supplies anoint us with the kind of power that enables us to see deeply into your word and to drink from the well of your salvation and to come into revelation knowledge and a deeper understanding of who we are and whose we are and where we are in the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus we pray amen now if you're going to contextualize the text in the realm in which it was written, it is important that you go away from reading it through the eyes of your personal need. And you have to go back and understand that Paul is writing a letter to a church who is struggling to understand itself. Because the church is now drawing people from different arenas and different worlds and people who normally did not interact with each other. You remember the woman at the well said, you Jews have no dealings with us Samaritans. There were many divisions even back then between class, between cultures, between kinds that had to be dealt with. If a Gentile ate with a Jew, the Jew would break the plate. There was a wall of partition 
they were called heathens. You remember the woman who was Gentile and came to Jesus and, and said, it is not me to give, Jesus said, it's not me to give the children's bread to the dogs. He was, he called that woman a dog. She's a Gentile without covenant. The woman said, even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus said, I have not found so great a faith in all of Israel. You see how many barriers existed between them that Jesus felt comfortable to refer to her as a dog or a person without covenant and made a distinction between the children's bread and the dogs. She said, yeah, I may be a dog. I may be a Gentile. I may not have a covenant. I may be, as Ephesians says, without God in this world. But even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And her faith won her a seat at the table. Because she believed God. And whenever you believe God, it is counted unto you as righteousness. I'd rather be a believer than a Baptist. I'd rather be a believer than a Pentecostal. I'd rather be a believer than to be Church of God in Christ. I'd rather be a believer than to be an AME. I'd rather be a believer than to be a Pentecostal. I'd rather be a believer than to be called a Christian. I'd rather be a believer because believing is support of entry that tears down every wall of distinction. And so Paul is busy tearing down the walls of distinctions that existed in the early church. It's not that different from today. There are cliques and groups and clubs in our churches. And if you're not in this clique, you're in that clique over there. And some of you aren't in anybody's clique. It was like that then, only it was on the basis of pedigree and background. But Paul says that Jesus died to raise us up together. And make us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. By grace are ye saved. And I want you to look at that scripture and I want you to look at that scripture closely and see how many times you see us and not me. Us and not you. That what Paul is trying to do is bring a cohesiveness together and he calls the Gentiles by name and then he deals with the law by name. And if you just read Ephesians 2, if you study nothing else but Ephesians 2, it will help you to understand what the church is and what the church is not and how God has made this new thing that is neither this nor that. It is neither Jew nor Gentile. It is either neither bond nor free. It is neither Greek nor Jew. It is neither male nor female. It is this one new man. Now, when I use the term man, I'm not talking about man as it relates to gender. This is not a misogynic ideology promoting one gender above another. I'm talking about human. I'm talking about humanity has made one new man. And it is figurative in this text. The one new man has been raised up together so that the Jew has no dominance over the Gentile. And the Gentile has no dominance over the Jew. And there is no Jewish supremacy. And God never intended for there to be supremacy between his children. He's tearing down arrogance and tradition and he's tearing down pride and he's tearing down malicious ideologies that have stopped us from being united in the fullness. What the problem was at that time was the Jews had a relationship with Jehovah that the Gentiles did not have. They were separated from the commonwealth of Israel and without God and without hope in this world. So says the text. But God, who is rich in mercy, wherein he have loved us, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. That in the ages to come 
in the ages to come. He did it so that in the ages to come, he could show off his grace. That he could take something so dirty and something so religious and knit them together and make it work and call it the church. Understanding that is the precipice upon which we stand and the fundamental of our faith that is necessary for us to begin to peek through the window of the massive revelation of what God had in man, mind when he made the church. And then he calls it one new man or it could be one new body because we are a body of believers. What gives us kinship is not our historicity, it is our destiny. We are connected then and therefore one body, not because we share history, but because we share destiny. And because of Christ, he has adopted us into the royal family because up until now, Gentiles were separated from, watch this word, the common wealth of Israel. I don't have time to exhaust that. But now that we have been brought nigh, we have been brought nigh to the common wealth, wealth of Israel, the common wealth of Israel, what Israel takes for granted, what is common for them, the enrichment of who they are. We are now able to be partakers of the same because Christ has raised us up together and made us both to sit as equals in heavenly places in Christ Jesus by grace you are saved. You have to understand that salvation includes empowerment. That if you get saved, there is an empowering component to it that includes the, the watch this phrase, the common wealth of Israel. You need to tap into that tonight. Some of you are going through things that you need to tap into that tonight. Some of you have a vision for some things that you need to tap into the commonwealth of Israel. But you're intimidated because you don't think that it's for you. But God has raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places. And somebody type on the line, it's mine. Yeah, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. I am a seed of Abraham. I have been adopted into the royal family whereby we cry, Abba, Father, because Jesus has adopted us into the royal family. This is good. 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 And now has made out of twain, out of two twain, he has made one new man. So he took the two bodies of people, Gentiles and Jews, and weaved them together through the blood of the cross and made one new man. The two shall be one. We have seen this premise all the way back in the garden when Adam and Eve were two, but they became one flesh. Through intimacy, they become one flesh. For this cause, later in Ephesians 5, last verse, for this cause shall they leave their mother and father, and they shall take unto them a wife, and they shall cleave, and the twain shall become one flesh. God can take two and make one. God can take division and bring unity. God can take discrepancies and bring connectivity. Only God can do that. And all of this is in Ephesians 2, and leave you one new man good God of mercy one new man so you can come boldly to the throne of grace the idolater can come boldly to the throne of grace just as sure as the orthodox 
They can come to the same throne at the same time and access the same wealth, whether it be spiritual, financial, emotional, physical, whatever it is. In this case, with the woman who came to Jesus, she was looking for the wealth of healing. And she was eligible to tap into it before the cross because she believed God. You didn't hear the power of that. There's no way this woman should have been able to tap into the commonwealth of Israel before Jesus went to the cross. But faith breaks all the rules. Faith breaks all dispensational order. Faith breaks through all barriers and opens up a window. I preach Sunday about a window. Faith will open up a window where you saw a wall. And somebody watching right now, you're standing in front of a wall. And God wants to put a window in it. In order for him to put a window in it, you're going to have to believe him to put a window where there was a wall. And then you got to have enough faith to go through the window while the window is open. You got to go through it while the window is open. You got to go through it while the window is open. And not feel guilty and not feel ashamed. All while the accuser of the brethren is bringing up your idolatrous ways, your whoremongering ways. They were committing fornication and orgies and perversions and everything else. But Jesus still knitted them together. He joined them with himself and knitted them together by grace ye are saved. Goodbye guilt, goodbye shame, goodbye depression, goodbye hidden feelings of unworthiness, goodbye the voice of the accuser that torments me at two o'clock in the morning. By grace are you saved. <laughs> it is the gift of God. It is a gift of God. I didn't have to earn it. You're right. I don't deserve it. I didn't have to earn it. I can't pay for it. It is a gift of God. I receive it. I believe it. I receive it. I believe it. It is so. That's what the text is offering to us tonight. And have raised us up together, made one new man. This nebulous, indescript thing that the early church would spend the next hundred to three hundred years defining what the church was. Christ birthed it, but it took the apostles to explain it. He birthed the church on Calvary. He empowered it on the day of Pentecost. But it took the Pauline epistles and all of the epistles collectively to bring order and structure and definition to this holy thing that Christ has brought forth. You know, Christ himself was called that holy thing. And then he bursts the church, which is now a holy thing. Anytime you call something a thing, it is nebulous and indescript. Paul brings definition to that which was indescript. Am I too heavy for you? Let's go deeper because you need to understand. You point at something. What do you want? I want that thing right there. You don't know what you don't know how to name it. The early church was nameless. They weren't called Christians until they got to Antioch. At one point they were called the way. At another point they were called the believers. They were trying to figure themselves out because God will do it and you have to name it later. God will do a thing in your life and you have to name it letter, later. God will do a thing in your life and you have to name it later. God will do a thing in your life and you have to name it later. God will do a thing in your life that you don't have a name for. God will do a thing in your life that you can't explain to people. God will do a thing in your spirit that you are incapable to articulate the magnitude of what he did because he just did it. Good 
God Almighty. He's able. He's able to do a thing. Type on the line, do a thing in my life. Do something in my life that I don't have a word for. Do something in my life that I can't describe. Do something in my life that I don't know how to articulate. Do something in my life that I've never seen before. What God did in the birthing of the church was unexplainable. They had never seen anything like it before. It broke all the rules. It went against all the ordinances. It broke all the covenants and yet God did it because he is not God in the law. He is God of the law. You didn't hear what I'm saying. There's a difference between being God in the law and being God of the law. He is God of the law. And so he tears down the wall of partition that exists between us and have made in himself one new man. And our subject tonight is one new man. And you need to understand what God can do, whether it is a body of believers that he brings unity to and makes him one new man, or whether it is an individual, the power of one new man. You need to understand what God can do when we unite, when disconnected, disruptive, confused enemies unite. You need to understand there are forces to divide us, especially in this contemporary society. The church is more divided than I have ever seen it in the 64 years of my life. It is more divided than it's ever been before. And that is not by accident, that is by intent. The enemy designs it so because when we come together in one accord, in one place, the power of the Holy Spirit falls. And we have allowed the values and the attitudes and the inference and the dilution and the pollution of the world to divide what makes us central is not whether we're vaccinated or not, not whether we wear a mask or not, or not what our doctor says, not how we vote. What makes us united is the blood of the Lamb. Anytime you build unity around anything other than the blood of the Lamb, you will always end up in division. And we are totally divided, politically, socially, emotionally divided and fighting harder over the division than we did over the cross and we're losing our unity and we're losing our connectivity over paper over mask over vaccinations and none of us know what we're talking about because we're not epidemiologists we don't know you don't know what's in an aspirin you don't know what's in you don't know what you're talking about and yet it has become a wedge of division which lets you know a spirit is behind it to stop us from being one new man because Jesus died that we might be one new man he died that we might be united but anytime we start flying up under the banner of any other man we lose the connection that we ought to have with the God man Jesus Christ Mary's baby, the lily of the valley, the lamb of God, the bright and morning star. I'm talking about the rose of Sharon. I'm talking about the seed of Abraham. I'm talking about the root of Jesse. I'm talking about the kinsman redeemer and the day star Hallelujah. and the bulwark. I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus. I'm not talking about presidents. I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about Democrats. I'm not talking about Republicans. I'm not talking about masks and no masks. I'm not talking about vaccination. There's something about the gospel that transcends all of that. Have all the opinions you want to do whatever you want to do but at the end of the day there's something that transcends all of our distinctives tear down the wall of partition tear down the wall of partition tear down the wall of partition even if you have to tear down your pride to get it down tear down Jesus died to tear down the wall of partition that we might become one new man and the reason that the earth is rottening is because the sons of God are divided
And the reason that the angel has thrust his sickle into the earth and the harvest of the earth is ripe and God is harvesting and judgment this world is because the salt is losing its savor. You don't want to hear me teach tonight. The reason the enemy is able to come and do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it is because we're not flying up under the banner of the blood. We're flying up under the banner of our politics. And the only safe place when the death angel passes by is under the blood. If you're not under the blood, you're up under something that can't keep you. If you're not up under the blood, you're not, you're, not, you're not under anything that can save you. You're not under anything that can heal you. You need to come back to being one new man. When you, when you become one new man, black folks and white folks and brown folks and German folks and Jamaican folks and Jewish folks can all come together up under that one banner. And they say, how in the world did you get them together? And then you tell them about Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 is a miracle. It is a miracle. We are in the labor room. We are in the birthing lab. We are in the place where the baby is being named and defined and the features are working and the doctors checking it. And we're starting to understand that this is a new thing. God says, I will do a new thing in you. The former things will be passed away. I will do a new thing in you. And you're fighting over old things because you can't have new things until you let go of old things let the redeemed of the Lord say so type it on the line say so let the redeemed of the Lord 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 say so we are not here to fight about stuff that is all man made all man made all man made stuff and we're fighting about it. I don't mind that we disagree. We have opinions we're supposed to disagree, but we are hating about it. And we, we're losing our newness. And like the world, we are rotting on the vine. We are casting our figs before our time. We are losing our prophetic relevance in the world today and losing respect within and without. And now we have groups like nuns and other groups that have come up that said, I embrace God, but I don't embrace the church. I guess they don't because we are not one new man. Oh, you better click off now. I made somebody mad. But I'm used to you being mad. And I'm old enough not to worry about you being mad. I've been hated before. And if you hate me now, you're not getting anything new. Hallelujah. You're getting sloppy thirds and fourths and fifths and sixths because you can't reach my age and not been hated before. And I'm not afraid of being controversial. This text was controversial. It shook the very foundation of the ortho orthodoxy of the Judaistic teaching of the time that you could still be a Jew and connect as a Christian was an idea that was shaking. That's why they wanted Jesus killed because he was shaking up religion. Shaking up tradition. I know you worship this little nice little pansy Jesus that didn't stir up anything, but I worship a Jesus who was a radical Jesus, a table throwing Jesus, a chair throwing Jesus. I worship a Jesus that's radical enough to blow the minds of religious people. We said they said we got to get rid of him before he turns the world upside down. We've got to stop him. 
and he moved from the physical body into the mystical body of Christ which we are studying tonight so we move from the physical body on the cross to the mystical body which is the church and that mystical body which is the church is one new man say it with me one new man that's what I want to be is one new man that's what I'm praying for is one new man it's not important that I have one new year if I don't have a new man if I bring the old man into a new year all I'm doing is repeating the experience I had in the old year what good is 2022 if you're still who you were in 2021 this is about one new man the text is clear it's about one new man. In a world that's moving so fast, problems beyond our control, complicated crises in government, pervasive poverty throughout our nation, massive injustice, and a crime rate with stress, filled with stress and trauma almost everywhere. What can one man do? Sometimes you feel helpless, you feel hopeless, you feel impotent, you feel stressed out, you feel overwhelmed. There is a dreadful feeling of impotence to resolve problems and existing even in our own homes. Forget the world and the international conflict. We can't even solve problems in our own home. And there's a dread and there's a malice and there's a strife that we carry to bed with us every night. No wonder we can't sleep. We take pills to go to bed. We take pills to get up in the morning. We can't have any rest because we can't even stop the war in our own home. Not to mention the war in our own mind. Sometimes we crave the intervention of others, whether it be a board or a jury or a congress or a medical board or, 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 or just the approval of a loan company. We all need somebody to come in and save us. Yet God seldom uses a board. He seldom uses a committee or a compilation of outside influence to redeem you. At the end of the day, the biggest changes are a result of one man. When God got ready to start the nation of Israel, he started it through the Gentile loins of one man. When God got ready to create all of humanity, he did it through the body of one man. When God got ready to redeem the world, he did it through one man. When God got ready to deliver Israel from Egypt, he did it through one man. God uses one man. Why can't it be you? Why can't it be you? Why can't it be you? Currently, there are nearly 8 billion people on the planet. God doesn't use the general populace for anything. Over and over, he shows us the impact he can have with one man. That is within your reach. That is doable to you. He doesn't need 8 billion of us to, do, to agree. He just needs one new man. When God gets one man, he can turn the world upside down. The one man can be Nelson Mandela. The one man can be Abraham Lincoln. The one man can be Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The one man, whenever God gets one man, he can do the world. To turn, he can use him to turn the world upside down. My wife is hollering, T.D. Jakes. One new man. One new man, one new man named Adam, start of all humanity. That's why we're all cousins. We're all related because God didn't start with a committee. He started with one new man. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 13 through 14 makes it very clear for us to understand the power of one new man. That God only has to whisper in one man's ear and change is ratified. You ought to let God whisper in your ear and change be ratified in your life.
The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, 14, For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man, all he needs is one man. Sin climbed through the window of one man because sin understood the power of one man that if you're going to infect humanity with the disease of sin and death, it climbed through the window of one man. One man did it, not the woman. One man. She was deceived. He was not deceived. He was not deceived. He knew what was going on. He could have died for his bride and provoked Calvary to happen in the Garden of Eden instead of decided in the Garden of Gethsemane. But he died with his bride. Jesus came along later and died for his bride. But it was all done by one new man. I feel like teaching this night. I feel like teaching this night. I wish I had some Bible lovers out there. We've got a generation of people that love noise but they don't love the Bible. But if there's any Bible lovers in, in there tonight make some noise get on the line holler hoop yell scream one new man one new man can turn your life around there's some women that can tell you one new man can turn the house around can turn your life around can turn your destiny around can turn your future around there's some companies that'll tell you one new man you can hire one new man he can turn the whole office upside down I was reading a book about Jack Well one new man turned an entire corporation upside down he bought stock in it and turned it all the way around. One new man. Go back to that text. One new man. One new man can turn it up. So that we just need one new man. We don't need a committee. We don't need a board. We don't need to vote. We don't need to agree. We just need one new man that can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying unto the church. Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one new man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sin, death came to all people in one new man. I want to dig into that. Death came to all people through one new man. Everybody after Adam didn't have to partake of the fruit. They were born in his sin. They were shaping in his iniquity. They didn't get a chance at righteousness. Adam was created righteous. But once sin climbed in through his window, every son he had was born in sin. That's why you have murder in the first family. You have dysfunction in the first family. You have disappointment in the first family. You have chaos in the first family. You have division in the first family. Because sin had climbed through the window of one new man. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against everyone's account where there is no law. I'm still in the word of God. Verse 13, I want you to get that. I want you to understand that sin climbed in the world, but it wasn't charged to any man because you cannot charge me for sin where there is no law. If I'm driving down the interstate and I'm doing 95 miles an hour and there is no sign that says 70 miles an hour, you cannot give me a ticket where there is no law. Now it's true I'm driving too fast, but you can't give me the penalty of my sin because there is no law. And where there is no law, there can be no judgment. What did I break? 
So from Adam to Moses, what did I break? Adam had one law, not to eat of the forbidden fruit, and he broke that law. Once he broke that law, sin entered into the world. But we couldn't be judged for all the lust and all the chaos and all the confusion that we did because where there is no law, there is no sin. I'm quoting scripture. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, verse 14. Even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, whether you sinned or not, death still reigned, you still died. As did Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come. He is the pattern of the one to come. I'm about to get radical with you, so fasten your seatbelts. Glory to God. Can y'all handle a real Bible class? Can you handle a real Bible class? The Bible says in Hebrews, I believe it's Hebrews, that Levi paid tithes while he was still in the loins of of Abraham. He, He paid tithes while he was still in the loins of Abraham to Melchizedek. Meaning that when Abraham paid tithes, his great great grandchild got credit for the tithes while he was still a cell in his great great grandfather's body. That's the way Sin came into the world. When Adam came into sin, all his unborn children, unlike him, were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. They didn't have a choice in the matter. They inherited sin. Levi got blessed even though he wasn't even a person yet because when his great-great-grandfather got blessed paying tithes to Melchizedek, it fell down to the fourth generation. But it started with one new man. Wherefore shall we say then? What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. I wouldn't have known I was speeding if you didn't put up the speed sign. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Come on. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Where there is no law, policemen pass me by. You can't give me a ticket if you don't have a sign. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the law, when the law, but apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. So the moment the law came, now I have condemnation. Okay. And the law is handed down through one man. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death that's what the law did it brought death because now we have a standard for sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy righteousness and good did that which is good then become death to me by no means nevertheless in order that sin might be recognized as sin it used what is good to bring about my death so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful now it's utterly sinful because now I have a commandment and now I have a standard in other words the law was broken when they got it 
But the law, they were naked when he brought it down off the mountain, baby. They had already worshipped an idol God before they ever saw it. They broke it before they ever got it. The law came just to reveal sin. It uncovered sin. That's why the, the tabernacle comes with it. Because God already knew they couldn't keep it. So he made a way of grace for them when he handed down the law. Can I go deeper with this? Now, in Romans 5, 15 through 21, the Bible says this. And it, it compares what happened with Adam. I want to be sure that you get what happened to Adam. All men, when Adam died, all men died in him. Even though they were birthed, even though they lived, even though they had life, they eventually died because in Adam all sinned. In the eyes of God, there weren't but two men, Adam and Jesus. You were either born in Adam under your old nature or born in Christ. Verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again. Now read Romans 5.15 in light of this one new man. I'm through talking about the one new man, Adam. Now I want to talk about the one new man, Jesus Christ. But the gift is not like the trespass. The gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ? God reversed it. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation, for all people saw also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Good God of mercy. If I didn't have to be sin, if I didn't have to commit sin to be born in sin because I was Adam's child, when I become Christ's child, I don't have to be righteous to be declared righteous. I inherited his righteousness. By grace I'm saved. Verse 19. For just as though the disobedience of the one man, the many, the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made right. You know God had to make you righteous. Stop acting like you righteous. Stop singing just another day the Lord has kept me from all you. You know that's a lie. You know what you thought. You know what you said. You know how you gossiped. You know what you did. You know the very thought of foolishness is sin. You know your righteousness is as filthy rag in the sight of God. If you got any righteousness, it got to be Jesus. The one man Jesus gave it, imputed unto us righteousness. Verse 20, for the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. When the law comes in, now the policeman can stop me. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. You don't hear what I'm saying. Where sin increased, grace increased 
all the more where sin increased so that just as sin reigned in death so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord not through your work not through your tithes not through this not through that that's the one new man that's the only thing you got to plead that's the only thing you got to say is Jesus Christ type it on the line Jesus Christ stop talking about what you did how much you paid how much you gave how good you can sing how well you can preach how big is your church how many scriptures you know none of that saves you none of that saves you you are saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ when he hung his head in the locks of his shoulders and died until the sun got embarrassed and said I can't watch it anymore he died until the ground got nervous and started trembling he died till law fell over and fainted on grace he died till the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom he died till graves start popping up all over Jerusalem he died until every curse that was against me was pulled out of me he died so the hex wouldn't work he died so the witch couldn't work he died so the witchcraft couldn't work he died so the warlock couldn't stop me he died so that no weapon formed against me shall be able to problem who did it one new man one new man, one new man, one, 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 one new man, one new man. That's why they were trying to stop him. That's why they were trying to kill him. That's why they were trying to take him out. That's why they didn't want him to speak. That's why they drove him out of the city. That's why they hung him to the cross. They were trying to get him out of the way because all God needs is one new man. If one new man brought sin, one new man could take it out. That's why he's called the last man Adam. Because everything Adam broke, Jesus fixed it. Everything Adam messed up, Jesus straightened it out. Everything Adam broke, God put it together again in Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus alone. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus that makes demons tremble. It's Jesus that breaks yokes and bondage. It's Jesus that sets the captive free. It's Jesus that opens up prison doors. When Paul and Silas were locked in jail, they sang praises unto him. And all of a sudden, the jail doors opened up. And an earthquake came. And God turned a prison house into a church house and they forbid them to preach anymore in the name of Jesus because there was something about the name of Jesus. Demons tremble at the sound of that name. Hell gets nervous at the sound of that name. Yokes are broken at the sound of that name. Captives are set free at the sound of that name. Jesus, the angels are declaring it. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Heaven is talking about Jesus. Demons are talking about Jesus. Hallelujah. His name has been exalted above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. They're all subject to his name. They're all subject to his name. Get a lock of my hair, don't matter. It's still subject to the name of Jesus. Buried under my porch, it don't matter. It's subject to the name of Jesus. Enter into a covenant, kill a cat, and let the blood run down the stream and make a wish on a bone and still can't curse me. You can't curse me because every curse that was against me was crucified on the cross was Christ and by one man sin was eradicated out of there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are who? One man in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 1. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Without an organ or a drum, without a clap or a sound, I'll stand flat footed here and preach the word of God and tell them one man. The Bible looks at it and said if the princes of this world would have known who he was, they would have never crucified the Lord because they didn't understand the Lord. They didn't understand that God put the mystery in one man when they hung him high and stretched him wide and pierced him in his side. One writer said the New Testament came out of his side. God had hid the new covenant inside the body of Jesus. He is the scroll that Ezekiel unrolled. He reveals the covenant of God. The covenant that was hidden down through the ages. The mystery of godliness was in Jesus Christ. And when they pierced him in his side, the veil in the temple said, you won't need me anymore. And it was ripped from the top to the bottom. Because when the new covenant comes, the old covenant dies. Now, as long as the testator lives, the Old Testament is in force. But when the testator died, it shook up everything in earth. It shook up everything in heaven. It shook up everything up under the earth. Graves popped up all over Jerusalem because the New Testament was in his blood. And God had hid it all. Not in a committee. Not in a board. Not in a ritual. Not in a routine. Not in a tabernacle. Not in a temple. Not in a saying. Not in a keeping of day. He hid it all in one man. The man Christ Jesus was the word walking around. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God all things were made by him without him was not anything that made was made in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shined in darkness darkness couldn't do nothing about it verse 14 and the word was made flesh Jesus was the word made flesh he was the covenant he was the envelope that the word was in he was the covenant of God he was the commandment of God just Jesus if we don't have no drums give me Jesus if we don't have no choir give me Jesus if we don't have no tamarind, give me Jesus. If we don't have no people, give me Jesus. Because it ain't about you. It's about Jesus. It's not about this building. It's about Jesus. They say, when you going to open up the church? I never closed it. It was never about a building. It's about Jesus. In your living room, it's Jesus. In your kitchen, it's Jesus. In the courtroom, it's Jesus. In the back porch, it's Jesus. Wherever you go, it's still Jesus. And wherever Jesus, there's church right there now that is the gospel that right there is the gospel that right there is the gospel I've been born in him in him I live in him I move in him I have my being one new man hallelujah that if any man be in Christ, he is, not trying to be, not working on it, not improving himself, he is a new creature. All old things are passed away. All things become new. Why? Because there's only two men, the first man, Adam, and the last man, Adam. And so when Paul writes about it here, he calls him one new Man, as I hasten to a close tonight, I only brought two men with me. One man is the defendant. He brought sin into the world. We hold him on trial. He is guilty because he let up the window. He let, he, he let up the window. And when he let up the window, sin came in. When the last man, Adam, came in, he opened up the door 
to grace and grace came in and saved everyone that believes on him Hallelujah. and it was done through one new man history says that they crucified one disciple upside down and the other one they cut his head off with a sword one of them they threw in a snake pit but they couldn't stop it it was too late it had already slipped in through one new man now my question to you as I hasten to a close tonight is what can you expect from God through you if God delivered Israel all of Israel from the army of the Egyptians with one man If God redeemed the world with one man, if God started the creation with one man, what can he do with you? If God saved Samaria through the testimony of one woman, what can he do with you? If you're going to walk into 2022, stop waiting on them and they and somebody ought to do something. You're the body. You're the body. Ephesians says you're the body. You're the one new man in Christ Jesus with access to the commonwealth of Israel. Get rid of your stinking thinking. There's nothing in your history that's going to justify you. But there's something in your Bible that has given you a promise. You have access to the commonwealth of Israel. Go get it. You have access to hope. Go get it. You have access to peace. Go get it. You have access to joy. Go get it. You don't need the bishop to lay hands on you. You don't need the priest to hear your dirty secrets. Jesus has torn down the wall of petition. You can come boldly to the throne of grace and find grace to help in the time of need. Anything I pray for is extra. God will hear you. Yes. Open your mouth and speak to him. Yes. And let him speak to you. Now as I close, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of you who have misassigned your deliverance to somebody else's behavior. <laughs> I want to pray for people who have delegated their deliverance to the choir. I want to pray for people who don't think that they'll have happiness till their husband comes back. I want to pray for people who have put their future in their wife, their girlfriend, their chick on the side. And none of them come. All you need is one new man. And you got him. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you seek him first, God. 
everything else comes after the attaining of that one new man you want to be in right standing with God start with Jesus Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh no unto man. the father but by me and tonight no you cannot get to God without you want to grow that Jesus. church Hallelujah. get your mind off of your carnal egotistical self-righteous trying to prove yourself to other people's self You'll never build that church because there's too much eye on the throne. Don't you know if you got eye on the throne, you got Christ on the cross? But if you put you on the cross, then Christ will get on the throne. If Christ gets on the throne, he'll build the church. You've lost your consecration. You've lost your consecration. You don't act like what you're supposed to be. You're a child of the king. You're supposed to be different. Away with all these church folk trying to fit in with the culture. I'm not trying to fit in with the culture. The culture better try to fit in with me. I'm trying to fit in with the kingdom. If you're trying to fit in with the culture, you got the wrong man up front. The culture is running off a cliff. Can't you tell? Can't you see the culture is running off a cliff? They don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. They don't know what they want to be. They don't know what they love. They don't know where they're going. And if you say anything about it, you're crazy. No, you crazy. The church is not supposed to chase the culture. The culture has got to come to the church. That's right. That's right. And it starts when we stop being ashamed of who we are and be one new man. Stop all the bickering. Stop all the arguing. People are going to do what they want to do anyway. I'm just not going to argue with you all day and night. If you don't want to do something, you don't want to do it. If you don't want to take something, don't take it. If you don't want to vote for somebody, don't vote. Look, 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 look. That's not what makes us brothers. What makes us brothers is the lamb. It's not the elephant. It's the lamb. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. It's not the donkey, baby. It's the lamb. It's time for us to get up under that one new man. And if I've reached anybody today, maybe you're a backslider and you've drifted away from God. And I understand the confusion because the church has lost its message. Absolutely. But it's time for you to come home. Not because Bishop Jake says so, but that one new man from Calvary's rugged hill screams out from Golgotha's mountain yells over the balcony of heaven screams across the crystal sea echoes through the ears of 24 elders and shouts out your name the Lord has need of you the Lord has need of you I know you're only one but that's all he needs is one and you are the one.
for this generation, for this era, for this time, for this mission. I know for a fact the one is listening at me now. You are the one. Let me prove it to you. Hell did everything to stop you. Played with your childhood to distort you. Abused and molested you to disorient you. Broke your heart over and over again to estrange you. Why would Satan waste that many demons on somebody who wasn't the one? You're on his hit list. You're on his hit list just like Herod. Because he knew you were a king and a queen. And he started early to disorient you. But tonight is your night. Tonight is your night. And he wanted you to know I just need one. I don't need your brother and your sister. I don't need your wife to come into agreement. I don't need all your kids in the choir. I just need one new man or woman or a little boy or a little girl. Just one. And God says, thou art the man. Thou art the man. And I know every little nasty, freaky, dirty thing you did. And I know you're not a church boy. And I know you're not this and you're not that. And you're not the other. And all the other excuses you have used to turn a deaf ear to the call of God that has always been in your ear. But tonight is your night. And he called you. And there's nowhere to hide. And there's nowhere to run. And there's nowhere to go. But safely back to Jesus. The number is on the screen right now. Giving you an opportunity to connect and seal the deal. Don't just do it in your head. Don't just do it in your mind. Seal the deal tonight. While the Holy Spirit has softened up the calloused places in your heart. The well, saints, I know you were blessed by that message unless you are physically dead. I'm here to tell you, if you do not know the risen Christ, I can give you a call to the altar right now. We are going to quote Romans 10 verses 9 through 10. Hallelujah. That if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, that is, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And that is that you believe that he is seated at God's right hand right now, that he is alive and well. You are saved. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to do backflips. You don't have to perform any rituals. God made his salvation plan simple and man can't change it. And if you are chasing religion, you will never be reconciled to God. If your life ends right now, and you don't know the risen savior, you are going to hell. And that's the message that we need to start back preaching. People need to know the warning signs. If you choose to reject Christ, that's fine. That's on you. My job is to share that with you. Bishop T.D. Jakes, 
my brother in Christ. His job is to share that with you. I know he had been sick almost to the brink of death. But when God healed him, he came out preaching the gospel like you have never heard him preach it before. I stopped listening to him years ago because he left the message. And if you guys were listening to this message, you heard him say the church has left the message. We got to get back to the message. People are dying. People are going to hell early. The devil walks about seeking whom he may devour. And he's trying to seek those who are on the fence about Jesus. Before you accept him, he'll snatch you so he can have you. Because once you are gone, saints, once your spirit leaves your body, it's too late. You can't come back here to get it right. Nobody can pray you into heaven. Religion can't save you. And another thing, you if you don't hear nothing else, you need to hear this. There is no religion out there that has this message. You know why? Because religion cannot create and did not create God's redemption plan. Religion did not create God's salvation plan. God did it. And you can't recreate it. You can't. There's only one way to be saved. One way, saints, and that's John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. And you heard Bishop T.D. Jakes quote that scripture. You can't get to God any other way. You can only be reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. It's just that simple. You can't work to be saved. God will not accept your works because your works are as filthy rags. Jesus is the only righteousness that God will accept. And we are reconciled to God through Jesus. If you accept Christ today, not tomorrow, because your life can end tonight. If you accept him today and you die tonight, you're going straight to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God had leveled the playing field to where any man can come to Christ, no matter what religion you are coming from. You can come to Christ and be reconciled to God. The veil was split in two when Christ died on that cross to where any man can come boldly to the grace of God, to the throne of God through his grace. You can go boldly by yourself. You don't need a priest. No, Catholicism can't save you. Baptist, being a Baptist can't save you. Being a Methodist can't save you. Being a Lutheran can't save you. Being a Muslim can't save you. All that makes you feel good because you are associated with some, some social club, but it has nothing whatsoever to do with your salvation. God's redemption plan begins in Genesis chapter three, verses 14 and 15. And he didn't look back. The entire Bible is about his redemption plan. Hallelujah. So if somebody is in the Bible teaching you something else and not mentioning Jesus, I suggest you run for the hills. So saints, look, I don't want to go on and on and on because I can when it comes to the risen Savior. I've encountered him. When I was having my stroke, I met him dead on. And he told me, you're going to be okay. And I stopped panicking at that moment when I heard that voice. My God, the peace that surpasses all understanding spoke to me and said, you are going to be all right. And I am okay. You see me right now, you will never know I had a stroke. That's the healing power of God. See, healing, deliverance, and redemption all comes through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So why would you want why would you not want that? 
Why would you not want healing and deliverance and peace that surpasses all understanding? Why would you not want that? So saints, I hope you were blessed by that message. I hope you, those of you who are listening right now who did not know Christ, you know him now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will uh, talk to you guys tomorrow when we um, delve into episode five of do you know the signs of the second coming of the Messiah? And that's one of the reasons you need to be saved because trust me, it is near. It is near. So until next time, peace out.